So we're continuing our series this evening on work-related problems, and tonight I'm going to talk to you about thorns and thistles, which obviously refers to frustration in the workplace. And that is Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, all of us experience to a greater or lesser degree frustration in our jobs, frustration at the workplace. And we ask, Lord, that you would teach us how, even in a fallen world, how to work as Christians ought to work, how to work that we may glorify God, how to work that we may be a powerful testimony to the saving grace of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. I watched a documentary once of somewhere in Kenya where people take branches of thorn trees and they pack these thorny branches uh, around where the cattle are kept, the enclosure for the cattle. And it really keeps lions out. The lions can't get in because of the thorns. While driving in Joburg, maybe a year or two ago, I saw a very thick and uh, dense thorny hedge. Not dead branches, but a living plant. But it was very dense, and I thought that's, that's a better security than any other security system, whether it be electric fencing or... Uh, anything of the sort. So the point, the point is that thorns and thistles, it frustrates the lions, these thorns, they can't get to the cattle. It frustrates intruders, that they cannot get into your yard, they can't get through this very dense thorny hedge. And in the context of our passage and the context of the teaching this evening, thorns and thistles refers to frustration at work that you can't do what you want to do. And as you know, we get it from this passage. It, it starts right at the moment when Adam and Eve sin, where God says there will now be thorns and thistles. Let us read Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19. And to Adam, God said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So first of all, we're going to look at the transgression, and that is in verse 17a. When I was studying theology, one of the professors taught us that Adam and Eve were not real people. Adam and Eve were not historical figures. They did not exist what they were is just a mythical, um, mythical figures, mythical characters. 
And what the author is doing is using these mythical characters and he's trying to teach us some lessons. Well, that professor is absolutely wrong. The New Testament teaches us that the first Adam is as historical as the second Adam, and the second Adam, of course, being Jesus. Romans 5, 12 to 19, 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. The New Testament teaches us that Genesis 1 to 3 is history. Uh, Matthew 19, Jesus spoke of the first man and woman, obviously being Adam and Eve, that God created the man and woman. And he quotes from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 to give teaching on marriage. Luke 3.38 speaks of Adam in a genealogy, in Jesus' genealogy, and he's as real and as historical as all the other people in the genealogy. And then Acts 17.26, from one man God created all the nations of the earth, and that obviously being Adam. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 speaks of the serpent and Eve as historical reality. 1 Timothy 2.13 and 14, Paul bases his teaching on the roles of men and women on the church on Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So he accepts it as history. So what we're speaking of here this evening is real people who, did, who committed a real sin with real consequences. So what happened? Well, just very shortly, uh, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1. And Genesis describes how God does it in six days and describes much of the detail. Genesis 2 zooms in on day 6 and especially on God creating man and woman. And then in Genesis 3, well, here the trouble starts. So temptation comes and it comes in this order. So Satan, who is a spirit, he enters the body of the serpent, a snake. And then the snake, through the snake, he tempts the woman and then the woman gives the fruit to the man. And that's in verse 1 to 6. Now, in the exactly the same uh, order, we see God dealing out and meeting out the punishment. First the snake, the serpent, then the woman, and then the man. Verse 14 to 19. All right, now we're focusing on the man this evening. What does God say to the man? Well, he says to the man, because you obeyed your wife, Instead of obeying me, punishment is going to come. Verse 17a. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. And then the punishment follows. So God, God created Adam first. And he created Adam first to be a leader for his wife and a leader over his wife, to protect his wife, to guide his wife. And he created the woman to be a helper for the man. And we see this in chapter 2, verse 7, where God first creates the man, and then in verse 18, he hasn't got a helper yet, and then God creates Eve. And the New Testament teaches us he did it in that order because the man was created to be the leader. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 8 and 9, and then 1 Timothy 2, 12 and 30. But what Adam did, Adam did not lead his wife. Adam was quiet. Adam was silent when Satan tempted Eve in verse 1 to 5. And Adam was standing right there. And he heard everything the serpent said to Eve. He said nothing to interrupt the serpent or to say, you're lying, this is not true. But he obeyed his wife and ate the fruit with her, verse 6. So she sees it's good for food and so on. And then in verse 6, Eve, this is the woman, also gave some of the fruit to her husband who was 
with her. He was standing right there. And he ate, we read. And that is what we find now. He didn't lead his wife. And we can really say that the first sin was not the man and woman eating the fruit. The first sin was turning the marriage roles upside down. Adam is passive and Eve takes the lead, as we see in the end of verse 6. And that is exactly where thorns and thistles start. It doesn't start in the workplace, it starts in marriage. So very often the problems we have in marriage carry over to the workplace. That's, for instance, why 1 Timothy 3 verse 5, Paul says that a pastor, he should be able to lead his family well before he can lead in the church. And so the same here. We need to be able to have, we need to have order in our families for us to have order in the workplace. And very often in the workplace you don't see that. In, in the workplace you see passive men, you see men who haven't got backbone, you see dominating women. So what we first of all, what we need to do is we need to exterminate the thorns and thistles in our houses, in our homes, in our marriages, in our families before we exterminate it in the workplace. So love your wife, respect your husband, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, in the discipline of the Lord, respect your parents. And really there's a step even before that. Before that, we should stand in the right, right relationship to God because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. It starts with a crooked relationship with God and that immediately affects your marriage and it immediately affects the workplace as we see in Genesis 3. Because they didn't stand in a right relationship to God, they disobeyed God and therefore the marriage was in shambles in the end and the workplace you found thorns and thistles. Now, I'm not trying to tell you you should be in a right relationship to be to God just because you want a happy marriage and a peaceful marriage and you want prosperity at work. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is a right relationship to God is the foundation for the rest of your life, for everything else in your life, marriage, workplace, etc. Right, so that is number one. Number two, the consequences. Verse 17b to verse 19. Now evolution teaches us that dinosaurs died out before man came into the world. So dinosaurs started living 245 million years ago, they say, and died out 66 million years. Well, thorns existed even before dinosaurs because thorns came around, according to evolutionists, about 400 million years ago. Oh, I don't need to tell you from a Christian perspective that that is false, except for the scientific parts of all of that. Read creation.com, their website. But it's false for theological reasons, because creation, creation and, or the, uh, let's, say, let's rather say the curse upon creation and death and thorns only came into the world the moment Adam sinned. There wasn't death before this. God says in verse 19, you will return to the ground. Chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, the day you eat of the tree, you die. Chapter 3, verse 18, thorns and thistles the ground will bring forth. Chapter 3, verse 17, be cursed is the ground because of you. Romans 8, verse 19 to 22, the whole creation is in bondage. It was subjected to bondage by God. 
because of man's sin. So the lesson we learn here is sin not only affects you, sin affects everyone around you. So take Adam for example, Adam more than anyone. Adam is the head of mankind. He's the first human being. All human, being comes, human beings come from Adam. So Adam's sin did not only touch himself. It did not only touch Eve. But it touched everyone. It touched the whole creation. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth, verse 18. And then Romans 5, verse 12. Speaks of death now spreading to all men because of one man's sin. And we all follow. We we likewise, we sin like Adam did. In Adam all die, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. And then the same for us now, although we're not the head of mankind and our sin doesn't influence the whole of humanity like Adam's did and the whole of nature and creation, the universe, but, but our, sin, our sin does affect the people around us. So for instance, if you steal from your company, it influences your kids now because you're going to get fired You'll be without a job or you might land in jail. So now your kids can't go to school. Your kids don't have food to eat. So your family is influenced. Your family's reputation is influenced. Those kids, oh, it's their dad. He stole. That's, that's the, it's their dad that's in jail. Oh, it's that lady. Her husband's in jail for stealing. Your friendship with colleagues, well, that's ruined. And then obviously also the company itself cannot go forward as it ought because people are stealing from the company. People like you perhaps. And so you're sowing thorns and thistles, not just for yourself, but for other people. Well, for Adam, God now says, this is the punishment, and the punishment fits the crime. God created Adam from the earth, chapter 2, verse 7. God made the trees grow from the earth, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. And now because Adam sinned and and was disobedient to God. Now we see the punishment fits the crime. God now curses the very earth Adam was created from. The very earth that the trees grow from. The very earth that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil grew from. And now God said, Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. Verse 17. Verse 18. You shall eat the plants of the field. Verse 19. You will return to the very ground you were made from. And the very ground that is now cursed. And then also note the, the repetition of the word eat. Verse 17, because you've eaten of the tree. Verse 17 in the end, you shall eat of the ground, this cursed ground. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 18, second part, you shall eat the plants of the field. 19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So this, this repetition of the word eat, again, uh, Adam ate from the, of the forbidden fruit. And now, by the sweat of his brow and with lots of pain, he will eat the plants of the field. Again, the punishment fits the crime. The sin was eating, and now part of the punishment, eating will come with difficulty. What, if, what does verse 17b imply when it uses the word pain? End of verse 17. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Hard labor. So, for the, for the women... Pain came in childbearing, verse 16. Painful pregnancy, so morning sickness, moodiness, not feeling well, tiredness. And then also the pain of childbirth, pains of childbirth. And then for the man, pain comes with working. In pain you shall eat of it. So again, the, God is not switching the roles like men and women switch the roles, the marriage roles. 
God still says the primary roles here are man is the breadwinner, verse 17, and the woman focuses on her family and raising her children, verse 16. Now that doesn't mean that women can't earn an income and work for an income. Uh, Proverbs 31, 16 and 24, years a lady working from home and yet she's got very very good skills and she's smart and she's wise and she buys a vineyard and uh, then she sells her sashes to the merchant and she makes stuff. So she earns an income, earns a living that way and for some extra things around the house she can buy with that money. But her main assignment as a woman is to focus on her family, on her children, on raising her children. And obviously that doesn't go if you're a single woman, you're not married, or, or you don't have children. Uh, perhaps even your children have grown up and it's only your husband and yourself in the house. doesn't mean you can't do a, a day job or a half-day job or even a full-day job or follow a career. But for those who have children, their focus should be on raising their children. And that we find even in the New Testament. This is the creation order, but in 1 Timothy 2.15, Titus 2 verse 4 and 5, a worker at home raising her children well. Now, the world hears that and they mock that. They say that's just from a patriarchal system. You, you chauvinists, uh, chauvinists, that's why you do these things well. I'm not going to argue with God's creation order, the creative order. I think we would have many more happy families if we honored God's order. Now, if you love your children and you raise them in the right way, I can, I can almost guarantee you that your children have been happier in the past two months than they normally are. They're so happy to know mom is at home during lockdown. And he, but, but even if we do divide the roles correctly and we do what God says, there will still be pain. Verse 16, pain in childbearing, pain in working all the days of your life. Verse 17, so for Adam and Eve, they wouldn't just pick fresh fruit from trees. So easy. Chapter 1, verse 29, God, is, God gave them the fruit on the trees to eat. They could just pick it. Chapter 2, verse 9, every tree that is good for food, they could just enjoy. Well, it wouldn't be like that anymore. Uh, now, now they would first have to, to get rid of and exterminate thorns and thistles. And they would have to be careful because the thorns prick you and they hurt you. And... They would have to go outside into the field. Adam would have to go out in the field. Verse 18 says the plants of the field. So it's not just the trees of the garden. They were, they were put out of the garden, outside the garden, verse 22 to 24. And so it's not easy anymore. And then, then you have to break up the soil. You break up the ground of the field, verse 18. And you have to, after plowing, you will have to plant crops and then you'll have to protect the crops from birds and insects. So it's really hard. The ground is cursed. And please remember that at this stage, Adam wasn't yet a, someone who, who had meat. The people didn't eat meat. They didn't kill animals yet. Only in Genesis 9, verse 2 and 3, in the time of Noah. So it was really hard in this agricultural society. Now, we don't live in an agricultural, agricultural society but we still have thorns and thistles that make our jobs really difficult. On Monday, my son and I mowed the lawn. Monday is my day off. So we got a lawnmower from someone, because mine, I don't have one. And we got a lawnmower from someone, and, 
And it was really hard from 11.30 in the morning, about 20 past 11 till 20 to 5. We were mowing the lawn, front lawn, back lawn. Uh, we had to move the, I don't even know what to call what the proper word is. I mean, the landmines, the dog, the things he does. <laughs> we had to remove the landmines from the lawn. We had to move the electric cable every time we turn around. Uh, and then the lawnmower would cut out because the grass is too thick at a certain place and it's got a, an automatic switch that makes the thing cut out. You have to wait a few minutes. And we were sweating and we were tired and it's hot. And then you have to set the height of the blade because the grass is thicker here and not as thick there and so on. So thorns and thistles, it was really hard. And everyone at his job, you've, you've got your own thorns and thistles. You in peak hour traffic and long hours at, at work and a heavy workload and a difficult boss. And he, it's like he has no mercy on you and a slow network. And you can't get your work done quickly and properly in a bad economy in South Africa and really worldwide now. And unemployment and BEE and load shedding. And then the lockdown just makes it difficult. Some people don't get an income at all. Or your salary is cut because of lockdown. Or you lost your job. Or machinery at, at work that breaks. Or theft. And people who are just not qualified for this job. Or they're lazy and bad communication. And double standards and... Um, people getting favored, so favoritism at work, partiality, and maybe a bad memory, and you start forgetting stuff, and you leave the food on the stove and it burns, or in the oven, you forget. And people who don't care about law and order, and uh, employers always busy, 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 but they're not doing their jobs. They're unproductive. They're busy with nothing. And then ill-discipline at work. No self-discipline. and We can't discipline these people because, because of human rights and oh, all kinds of nonsense. So thorns and thistles. But in spite of the thorns and thistles at work, the Lord rewards food. Verse 17. It says, cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat. So there's pain, there's curse, but you'll still eat. Verse 18, thorns and thistles, but you'll still eat. Verse 19, you're going to sweat, but you'll still eat. So God rewards hard work. And we should thank Him for it. I hope you do, especially before we eat, before we enjoy our meal. 1 Timothy 4, verse 4 and 5. But let's not, only, let's not only enjoy food, let's also thank the Lord that He's given us a job so we can earn our daily bread. Now, of course, unbelievers can do the same. They can work hard, they can earn a living, they can enjoy food, but they do it, well, with complaining, with murmuring and sighing because of the thorns and thistles that are in their way. And they don't work to honor God. They don't work to glorify God, where Paul says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And as Christians, we, we should be different from the world. Jesus has saved us. And so we can 
in spite of thorns and thistles, we can still work to glorify God. So we don't look at the thorns and thistles and say, I can't do this. Perhaps the Lord doesn't want me to do this. Maybe this is a sign I shouldn't do this job. I shouldn't work because they're thorns and thistles. God has put it in my way. Don't be like that. Mark Chansky said, I recently saw a flag traditionally carried by a particular army unit. Its slogan read, I can and I will. In contrast, many of us carry around an invisible flag that reads, I probably can't, so I won't even try. That is a very wrong attitude. That's a wrong mindset. And, and really, that's a sign of unbelief. That's a sign of little faith. You are living, if you, if you speak like that, you're living like one who doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead and you don't believe that Christ lives in you. Don't be like that. Don't let your hands just hang. Hang next to your sides and, and your knees become weak because you see thorns in your way. Ask God's strength. Ask for the Lord's strength. Go forward and you sweat to the glory of God. Verse 19. By the sweat of your face. Martin Luther said, the household sweat, meaning if you work in your house, is great. The civil or political sweat, greater still. But the church sweat is the greatest of all. In your service of the Lord, in other words. So Jesus has come to sanctify your sweat. To sanctify your hard work. To sanctify your whole life. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he bore the curse of thorns and thistles on his head. There was, a, there was a crown of thorns on his head, a sign of the curse. So Jesus came to redeem us from the curse, Galatians 3.13. So your, your job, your work doesn't have to be a curse. Jesus can turn it into a blessing. So in spite, in spite of the thorns and thistles, Christians can work hard. Christians can work with joy. Christians, Christians can work to the glory of God. Work as if for the Lord and not for men. Work that you may adorn the doctrine of God. That you may adorn the gospel. Make the gospel look beautiful. Make the Christian life look beautiful. Make Christ look beautiful. Through your hard and earnest and sincere and God-glorifying Christian work. Whether you're an engineer or a lawyer or a teacher or a servant in a household helping, whatever, domestic worker, working in the garden. If you don't have Jesus, well, then all your hard work, it's senseless, it's monotonous, and it's a chasing after the wind. Why? Because basically you're just working to eat. You're just working to eat. The repetition of the word eat in verse 17, 18, 19. Eat, 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 eat. That's all you're working for. So you work to earn a salary so you can eat at home. You can eat with friends. You can go on holiday and eat good food there. And you can invite friends for a braai and eat some more and eat some more. Oh, that's a terrible life. Imagine that. You're spending your whole life living for your stomach. Living for your guts. That's terrible. Just thinking you spend your whole life to earn money so you can buy food and that doesn't even help because that food won't prevent you from dying. You're going to go to the grave, verse 19. 
But that's how unbelievers live. Unbelievers work from eight to five, five days a week, year in, year out, for food. And even when they retire, when they retire, they still spend every day a number of hours per day that they have to spend making food and eating food so they can survive. And so it goes for their whole life until they die. Verse 19 in the middle, till you return. You will eat until you return to the ground. Verse 17, in pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Now obviously Christians also eat to survive, and so they're able to live. But Christians don't live for the year and now, where people make an idol of food, where people make an idol of their tummies. In Philippians 3 verse 19, their God is their belly. People don't, Christians don't live to make an idol of money. So we're just living to make money, 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 money. Or whatever else you are, you're making an idol of, you're worshipping. We know, we know that anything you live for in this world is going to be taken away from you when you die. So if you live for food, it's going to be taken away. You live for money, it's going to be taken away. You live for whatever, it's going to be taken away. So death reminds us, you are just dust. That's all you are. You are dust, and you're going to return to dust. You're going to return to the cursed soil, to the cursed ground from which you were taken. Verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Chapter 2, verse 7. Adam was made out of the ground, the dust. Cursed is the ground. Chapter 3, verse 17b. So that's, that's everyone, that's the end for every human being. Every human being, not the end for Christians, but for every human being, and even for unbelievers, that's not the end. There's a second death where you always die and never dead. Hell. But, but that is the destiny of every human being. You're going to die. You cannot escape death. But you can overcome the fear of death. You can go through death without being scathed, without being harmed, without being hurt by it. How? Well, Jesus died for the very sin that brought death into this world. Jesus experienced verse 19, where he returned to the ground. Obviously, he didn't turn to dust, but he died and rose again. And conquered death. He conquered death. The keys of death and hell are in his hands. He conquered death. So if you repent of your sin and you believe in Jesus and you trust him to save you from God's righteous judgment and from your own sin and God's judgment on your sin, then you can face death without fear. And you can enjoy eternal life in heaven when you breathe your last year, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, for the Lord is with you. You can live in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. You will be with Him in paradise the moment you die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Death, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Death will be gain. You will be with Christ, for it is far better. The spirits of righteous men made perfect will be with Christ. Hebrews 12, 23 tells us. And then when Jesus returns, He will resurrect your body from the Genesis 3 verse 19 dust. 
and he will give you a new body. Daniel 12, 2, 1 Thessalonians 4, the final paragraph. He will give you a new body. And it will not merely be, it will not merely be a perfect body made of dust like Adam's body. Adam had a perfect body, but it was made of dust. You will have a better body. You will have a glorified body. A glorified body that remains forever young. Forever strong. You'll never have pain. You'll never sin. You will never die. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. And 47 to 49. So... When that happens, the Lord Jesus Christ will create a new earth without thorns and thistles. In this this new earth, you work. And you will work to glorify God. You will serve God, Revelation 22 verse 3, without any frustration, without any sweat or pain or death. No more verse 17 to 19. And read Revelation 21 verse 4. And and to tell you the truth, work on the new earth will even be better than the Garden of Eden. Because on the new earth, there will no longer be a tree of the knowledge of good and evil that tests you, to test you, or, or a serpent to tempt you, Satan and demons. There will not be the possibility or the potential of sinning. And dying. As God said to Adam, there's the tree, the day you eat of it, you die. That possibility will no longer be. And I'm really looking forward to that world. Not just because I want to be delivered from work, because you're not going to be delivered from work. Work is not a curse. Thorns and thistles are. The ground was cursed. No, the reason I'm looking forward to this new earth is because I long for the day when I will forever see the face of Jesus and be like a panel, like these panels. Because, and probably a solar panel in the desert, because the sun just constantly shines on this solar panel, the energy of the sun is constantly flowing through the sun panel. And will it not be wonderful to be in a world where the Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, He's always shining on us. And His power and strength is constantly flowing through us. In in a world where we will always work to glorify Jesus without thorns and thistles to hinder us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, That is what we look forward to. But even now, even now, as we do our jobs, do our work, may it be to the glory of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to break the curse and who enables us through your death, Lord Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that despite the thorns and thistles, the frustrations at work, we are able to overcome them and work to the glory of our God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.